We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Welcome into the Rotowire NBA podcast on this Monday, January 2nd. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy New Year to you and yours. DJ Trainer here, joined by Andre Snellings. Andre, is 2017 going to be better than 2016 or worse? <laughs> it has to be better, right? Like, <laughs> 2016 set the bar pretty low in a lot of ways. <laughs> I know. I'm seeing. I personally had a great 2016, but I think the uh, the national consensus, um, at least on Twitter, at least on NBA Twitter, it seems like people are ready to head into the new year. But you know what? People are always ha- ready to head into the new year. Let's start talking about NBA fantasy. Some things have happened over the holidays. You know, people are traveling. They're not keeping tabs on it. But um, some some major movement has happened, and we got some new names to talk about. Uh, this guy's been around quite a while, though. Rajon Rondo has completely fallen out of the rotation in Chicago. Uh, Coach Fred Hoiberg has not 
outplayed him over the last six quarters, and he has no real plan to play him. Michael Carter W, or excuse me, MCW Michael Carter Williams is your new <laughs> starting point guard for Chicago, and Jerry and Grant is the backup. What's your initial take of this situation for somebody like myself, Andre, that has Rondo in standard leagues? Yeah, well, first of all, I think we should uh, make a movement that Michael Carter W. is uh, his name <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> all right, fair, fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rondo is, he is so mercurial. He's so hard to get a handle on, um, you know, and it's it's happened now at multiple stops. You know, like they, even when he was back with the Celtics, they would say, well, he's got this really strong will and it would kind of be speaking in code, but it seemed like, you know, he might be kind of out in left field and KG or Pierce or somebody would have to pull him back because yeah. he was going at Doc Rivers. And then since he's left Boston, or maybe since the old heads left Boston more accurately, um, there hasn't been anybody with enough clout to kind of rein him in, you know, no matter where he's gone. And it seems like that that's the case here. Despite Dwayne Wade being there, despite Jimmy Butler, um, Rondo from the outside, it seems like he he's kind of on his loose cannon again. And that, uh, you know, he's he's completely fallen out of, of not, not just the rotation, but the favor with the coach. Now, the flip side is that the Bulls have been terrible. And so if he were to get back in the game, play well, and they were to win, and, and, and that happened a few times, he could very easily come back up just as quickly as he fell. Um, but if I've got him on my year-long team, I'm not comfortable. Um, but then again, see, to me, before the season started, I, I he was kind of iffy on my list I wasn't really sure what to expect from him and he had some really good times early on in the season um I probably would have tried to trade him then but um now I think you either if you have the 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 space you kind of try to ride this out um hope and know that he will get back on the court at some point be it for the Bulls or for somebody else and He's always got that chance to come in and throw a couple triple-double type games and and, and and get his stock back up higher. Um, but his stock's not really going to go any lower than it is now. So if you've got the space, keep him. If not, then, you know, keep an eye on him. Yeah, just some stats to throw out. Uh, in December, Rondo was averaging 6.3 points, 6.3 rebounds, 6.9 assists. So that's what's kind of kept him in in my lineup in standard leagues is those six rebounds and those almost seven assists. Here's where he was hurting me, and it really, um, you know, it made me cringe every time I decided to lock him into my lineup is that for December, he shot 35.8% from the field and 20% from the free throw line. He's absolutely hurting you in those categories. But assists are so hard to find. You can't find them on the waiver wire. You're always chasing him. And I know for me and probably a lot of people out there, we were begrudgingly entering Rondo into our lineup each week. Now, here's the thing, though. If you could pick another player in the NBA that could duplicate that line, you know, just have like good rebounds, good assists, marginal numbers, and bad uh, shooting percentages, it would be MCW. MCW Mm -hmm. is basically like a new version of Rondo or of the same version, if you will. So, in terms of additions to your team, do you think MCW could be an improvement if he is the starter and sees the most minutes? Or basically, are you hoping to MCW or Michael Carter W uh, will just <laughs> will just duplicate what Rondo was already doing? So for me, I'm I'm, I'm trying to replace MCW with Rondo, but I, I don't think I think it's going to be status quo. They're the same type of player. Yeah, they they're exactly the same type of player. Um, where so it's interesting now that the. the 
Carter Williams is healthy enough to play again, you know, it's not a coincidence that that's the time that Rondo fell out of the rotation. Right. You know, that, that he was already, like, if it's true that he and the coach were just butting heads, it could be that the coach wanted to get him out of the rotation before, but he didn't have an alternative to, to put into his spot. And that Carter Williams, because he does a lot of the same things, you know, he has a pedigree. He was a lottery pick just a few years ago um, that he can justify putting him in there and saying, you know, kick the, 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 the troubled head case to the curve. So I would say a few things. One, um, how healthy is Carter Williams? If he's fully healthy, then yes, he can definitely replicate what Rondo was doing because Rondo wasn't exactly breaking the world, you know, with, with those numbers though, like that was, those were kind of bottom basement numbers. Um, and and you were able to get away with the percentages because his scoring was so low that, I mean, he was hurting you, but he wasn't hurting you badly because he wasn't taking all that many shots. But, um, you know, Carter Williams, his shot isn't as broke as Rondo's. He's bigger than Rondo. Um, he's, he's able to rebound. He, he's, Never put up quite the volume assist that Rondo can at his best. But, I mean, what you say was 6.7 or 6.9? Carter Williams can replicate that. So maybe um, Hoiberg's best-case scenario is that, that Carter Williams comes in, gives him exactly what he was getting from Rondo, and he just doesn't have to think about Rondo anymore. Um, in which case, as a Rondo owner, that's maybe a worst-case scenario unless they can trade him. But, um, you know, that, I think that's definitely in play is, is, is the way it could go. Yeah, so long term here, um, when we're looking at Rondo, he has been very, uh, uh, they're saying that he's been very professional through this whole thing. So New Year's Eve night after um, after they played Milwaukee and they got a full game DNP CD coach's decision, uh, he went and talked to the front front office and, and you know, he said that uh, I'm going to continue to practice, I'm going to continue to participate in team functions, however... If you know right now and you and Fred Hoiberg know that this is going to happen for the rest of the year, I want out. And so that's yeah. what he told them. And I think, like you said at the beginning when we kicked this off, um, you know, if you have a spot to stash him, I think you do. Because another, you know, another possibility that I threw out there might be too early uh, because the Bulls are reeling. and you know, They're not even in the playoff race right now. Uh, Fred Hoiberg is on the hot seat. I mean, if you could pick one mm-hmm. coach that could get fired, to be, it could be him. Interim coach comes in. He might re-enlist Rondo right away. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny where Rondo can go from literally zero minutes to 34 minutes per game on average, you know, just with uh, just basically a coaching change or anything like that. So it's a tough case. Um, Jerry and Grant is really not going to do much for you but mcw seems to be the breadwinner moving forward any lasting thoughts uh, on rondo or would you like to move on to the young rookie malcolm brogdon i say we could move on to brogdon i mean i'm rondo we 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 covered him um i've got mcw in a dfs league tonight so i'm gonna give him a shot see what he looks like and uh (laughs) maybe we can leave it there (laughs) all right sounds good i do too i have mcw we'll see uh we'll see if he can pull through for us uh malcolm brogdon rookie he started his second game ever uh rookie out of virginia in place of matthew delavidova on new year's eve got a triple double um I don't take this to the bank, but I'm pretty sure it's the first time uh, a rookie drafted in the second round ever produced uh, a triple double in his rookie season. I'm pretty sure that's true. Of course, there there can't be many more than that if that's not true. Um, <laughs> the question we're asking ourselves now, of course, is Matthew Delavadova was off the court when that happened. 
Um, he hadn't been playing that great, um, and so now Jason Kidd is left with an op- or a decision. Do I play Brogdon more? Do I play Della Vadova? But the issue overall is that he's probably going to play both of them. So I know that you've picked up Malkin Brogdon, but it didn't sound like you were really banking on him being a long-term fixture for your team. Yeah, I mean, when I picked him up, it was pretty much as, as kind of a punt play. It was kind of like, a, okay, well, I need somebody in this spot. He's cheap, you know, I'll... Oh, and, and he had already had one start, you know, they, where he did okay. And he had been actually playing decently off the bench for like a game or two before that too. So, you know, it was kind of like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll I'll give this guy a shot to see what he does. And then, yeah, he throws out a triple-double, and it's like, okay, well, now I have to look at him twice. <laughs> um, so in the long term, I don't know – if I'm Jason Kidd, if I'm the Bucks, I don't really see what Della Vadova is giving me that guarantees that he should get his job back. You know, he's not like he was um, an impact player that got hurt. To me, he seemed like he was only in that spot because they needed somebody for that spot. Um, So if Brogdon is able to actually, you know, that's the thing. When somebody puts up big box score numbers, you never know are they having a a good impact on the game or did somebody just have to fill those numbers and he happened to be in the right place at the right time. So off of one game, I don't think we can really know that for sure with Brogdon, but at the very least, I think um, he's earned a a wait and see, you know, he's like, like he he very well could end up being the long-term starter there. And I mean, he's not going to be putting up triple doubles regularly, but if he's, you know, there's opportunity there because Della Vadova is yeah. not really impressive statistically, but he gets the minutes to be. So if Brogdon can improve on that, then, yeah, you know, why not uh, take a flyer on him if if you have a chance to? Before missing two games, Della Vadova was averaging 27 minutes over December. So obviously that's a lot of minutes. They went to Brogdon over the last two games against Minnesota, against Chicago. So uh, a lot of minutes to be given up. It's certainly a situation to monitor closely. Brogdon fastly becoming probably the second best option in the rookie of the year race behind Joel Embiid. <laughs> uh, second round pick, Bucks did a heck of a job there. He seems like, a, seems like a guy that could be a fixture in their rotation moving forward. I saw somebody saying, oh, maybe don't invest in Brogdon because you never know when Chris Middleton is going to come back. I think you don't even factor Middleton into this discussion if you have him. You take Brogdon, like you said, he's not going to get a triple-double every night, but there certainly can be a case made that he should be playing considerably more minutes than Matthew Della Vidova, but again, time will tell. Somebody who's more established in the league but has not been seeing that many minutes so far this year is Derek Favors. Now, he's coming off the bruised knee, uh, but he's back in the starting lineup. Um, I believe he's he's already logged a couple of starts, but he's seeing right around 25 minutes per game. Now, the good thing here is that the Utah Jazz play five games this week. They're the only team in the NBA that plays five games. That's that's good that you know he's only averaging twenty five, but I don't know Andre that we should bank on him actually playing all five of those games since they're not even ready to play him more than twenty five minutes per game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I've um, he's one that you know again a lot of times I speak from a DFS perspective, and um, I had been watching favors because he had fallen down to a league minimum type price in DFS because they were only playing him 13, 14 minutes a night when he came back from that injury. And, you know, so as you pointed out, um, it's been ramping up, you know, over his last four games, he went 15 minutes, 22 minutes, 25 minutes, 24 minutes. So right now he's in that kind of 24 to 25 minutes per game. Um, Like he's established that he's back starting. Um, You would think that 
the next step, you know, eventually that he's going to get back up into that 28 to 32 minutes per game range, which is where he generally tends to settle out. Um, but coming off injury five game week, that means there's some back to backs in there. And, and then, you know, with analytics these days, teams monitor that a lot closer. So I would not be surprised. Actually, I would be surprised if he played in all five games. I was going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if he sat at least one. Um, now four games, if he gets it up to you know 28 minutes a game, he could still be worthy of some attention. But um, there's a lot of unknowns out there, so I think you kind of only go with that if if you are kind of lacking in that position for the week and you you kind of got to take a chance on somebody um, with, with upside because he does have upside, but he also has a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, that's certainly he's Derek Favors. We know he can produce. It's just is he healthy enough to actually stay on the court? Uh, you mentioned back to backs, two of them. And by the way, this these five games are all on the road. This is a five game road trip. January second and January third, uh, Brooklyn, Boston. January fifth is the game in the in between in Toronto. January seventh, January eighth, Minnesota and Memphis. So lots of miles traveled there for the Utah Jazz. That has to happen when you're so far out west um, for mm-hmm. most of the year. Now let's talk about somebody else who arguably has some of the most value on the Jazz. You know, aside from Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert, and that's this week, of course, as well. Uh, Shelvin Mack. George Hill continues to be kind of banged up. Mac has really performed kind of well over the last three games. I think he's moved back to the bench, but who knows? They may elect to rest George Hill some on this trip as well. Um, short-term replacement, but obviously, even if you do add him and he sees big minutes, it's not a guarantee that he's going to produce well. Yeah, but so in his case, I feel like he's so he's the opposite of, of favors, right? He doesn't have upside, but I think he's got a pretty solid uh, handle on it for the short term because George Hill has a concussion. And so with with, with headshots these days, you never know how long he's going to be out. He's already been ruled out for Monday, so you know he's not playing today. Um, and it's a back-to-back, so if he's ruled out today, it would be kind of surprising for him to come back and play tomorrow. So you're looking at at least two starts out of Mac. And again, with concussion, a player being out of a week or two is kind of becoming the norm. So um, and also considering that Mac, if you have him on your team, like favors in a year long team, I'm talking about now in favors, you drafted him, you know, you you drafted him to be an impact player for you. So you may have picked up some people in the in the meantime, but you would like for him to be what you drafted him to be with Mac. If you picked him up, you got him off waivers. And, And so. That means that he's kind of found money, and so if 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 you just need somebody, um, and 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 you've got got him, he's probably better than what you're just going to randomly pick up off the waiver wire for this week. Um, now, you know, because you just picked him up and he was found money, you probably have more established starters, if you know, health considering. So, um, you know, he's not somebody that I would say, well, I've got to play Mac over any established guy this week. But if my established guy is hurt, then Mac is a, a decent fallback option. Throw some stats at you here because George Hill really has been banged up for a lot of this season and in December. In December for Shelvin Mack, he's actually averaged 29 minutes per game over 15 games. Here's where it kind of drops off a little bit. Only 10.6 points, 2.7 rebounds, 3.9 assists, and 0.7 steals. So, again, he's more of a fill-in replacement if you need one. That you know, Ideally, you have better options on your roster already. In DFS, 
I don't know that I really feel comfortable. I mean, like, let's just take tonight, for instance. They, they play Brooklyn, and that's going to be one of the better matchups he could ever have. Do you feel comfortable rolling him out there? I mean, even when he's pretty close to the minimum price? Well, see, that's what I was going to say. That That's what's going to matter. Because in DraftKings, they've got this thing going where, you know, they don't want people to be able to pick up super cheap pump plays. So if a guy moves into the starting lineup, they boost his price up to at least $5 million. You know what I mean? Five, five million. <laughs> <laughs> to, to at least 5000 So, um you know, so we we were just talking about Brogdon. I think he he jumped up to fifty one hundred, but Mac jumped up to to five thousand. And so at that price, I don't feel like he's a must play. But at, at in Fanduel, on the other hand, he's still right at the minimum. I feel like he might be like thirty eight hundred. In that format, then yeah, you know, if if, if I'm wanting to to fill out with some big name guys, and I'm hoping to get a punt plate that's just gonna you know give me a floor of twenty points and you know has a a, a chance at thirty. Um, I think he's a lot more attractive in that type of uh, situation. On FanDuel, Shevin Mack is $3,800, so $300 above the floor. Still very, very cheap considering how many minutes he's going to play. I'm looking over his game log in December, and it doesn't look like he's bested anything over 31.9. And for me, Andre, I don't know about you, but in FanDuel, if if a play, if I don't think a player can get to 30 points and I'm not even going to try to use them, even if they are at the minimum, it just doesn't make sense when you're mm-hmm. stacking up the numbers. So it's, it's going to be very hard. Um, and the thing I always tell people is like, like, you tell me, should I play this player? And then you look and this guy has never even, you know, got 30 fantasy points in a game. And and you can't like hope and wish and want for something that you've never even seen in that season before. And for me, if I play Mac, I'm hoping for something that he's never showed me. And that just doesn't make any sense for me, um, even though he is at a great price. Uh, we'll keep it moving here, though. Somebody that I had been using at the beginning of the season because he was pretty cheap, uh, TJ Warren. Now, obviously, he missed a good portion of time with his, his head issue. They didn't quite say it was a concussion. It, it must have been something very close to a concussion. Um, he's come back and he's starting over PJ Tucker issue here is that he has not duplicated what he did before he left with that injury. Now, when he was playing well, he was playing alongside Devin Booker and they were saying, you know, the future of this team is now TJ Warren and Devin Booker, not just Devin Booker. Haven't seen that out of TJ Warren of late. It's concerning for me. Um, I don't know if this is a player that you've kept tabs on, but I'm disappointed since he's come back from the injury, and I'm sure a lot of people were ready for him to come back, but now that he has, they're a little underwhelmed and wanting to know should they expect more or maybe even um, not not even use him anymore. Maybe they should cut bait with T.J. Warren. What's your take on this so far, Andre? Yeah, so T.J. Warren is interesting because, you know, the way he's played since he's been back for him in this injury is actually a lot more like he played in previous years. You know, he's always been someone that had talent, but they weren't sure, you know, on a game to game basis, what they were going to get from him. Or, or maybe I should say, we weren't sure on a game to game basis, what we get from him if we had him on our, our, our um, fantasy teams. And then to start this year, it was a bit different because he was being aggressive as a scorer every night. You know, like not only was he putting up good volume, but if you watch the game, he was he was going at it. He, when, when he got the ball, his first thought was, I'm going to try to go score on this guy. Um, since he's been back and, 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 and that translated into, you know, what, from from the first game of the year to 
November 13th, which is, I think, the game before he got hurt. Um, in all 11 games, he had double-figure scoring every game, um, never lower than 12 or 14 points, and he, he was averaging 20 points a game. Um, well, since then, since he's been back, he's had a couple of those games. You know, he's had a couple 19-pointers, a 23-pointer. But then he'll also have games like his last couple where over two games he's combined for four points. Um, and so that kind of up and down is something that would be concerning in the short term. Um, and it would be concerning if it's injury related, if it's because there was mystery. You know, they said he had a head injury. We're assuming that means concussion, you know, but they never really told us what that meant. Um, if it was anything that would cause him to be tentative because, you know, he's scared to get hit again or, you know, those type of things, those could be bothersome. But outside of that, in the long run, I have to feel like he's eventually going to settle back into what he was because he is young, he is talented, and he had shown over a fairly significant period of time that he had grown into that role on this son's team. So it's only been, you know, what, the 28th. So three games ago, he scored 23 points with six assists. Um, and then, you know, the game before that, he was at 11 and four. And then the two games before that, he was at 19 and five, both games. So, and you also have to look at that, that uh, goose egg he put on the board on, on New Year's Eve. That was against probably the best defense in the NBA in the Jazz. So um, I'm a little concerned about him in year long, you know, maybe in DFS, I, I, I might uh, stay away until he shows that he's, he's back to what, you know, to his level, but ultimately I have to feel like he's probably going to find that level again. Yep, I certainly hope so. I, I was kind of stashing him for about a month. That's how long he missed with that head, head injury. I thought he was going to be one of the great uh, young players or one of the great upstarts and definitely a candidate for most improved player of the year. Haven't quite seen that, but you know what? The exact specificity of the injury, Andre, you, I, I didn't even really think of that, but you know, there's a mental block. Somebody like Brandon Rush, he, uh, he tore his ACL a few years ago, and he was talking about it took him multiple seasons to get back mentally before he was yeah. making those cuts and before he was aggressive. You, know, you, you talked about T.J. Warren, too. When he caught the ball, he was atta- attacking defenders and trying to score. Maybe that hasn't come back yet. That's certainly something to, something to consider. We'll keep it moving here to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. We knew there'd be a lot of opportunities coming out of Brooklyn. i got to be honest with you. I didn't think that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson would be one of those guys to capitalize on the opportunities. I thought Mm -hmm. Jeremy Lin would be, but he's been hurt. I thought Trevor Booker. Trevor Booker's been all right, but he hasn't been exceptional. Brooke Lopez has been on this weird resting schedule, and it seems that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is somebody that is certainly gaining momentum as this season goes along, and we know there's going to be lots of minutes there for him because he's basically their their one and only young talent. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've had an interesting year with, with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Um, I wasn't particularly bought in on him. Um, I was kind of staying away from the whole net situation, to be honest, as far as drafting goes in, in uh, year-long leagues. But um, I got on uh, – on on the 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 XM series show with uh, Liss, yeah. and um, we were just talking right before the draft. We were talking about you know strategies and players to go after, and I, I had uh, the RotoWire rankings list up, and I made an off the cuff comment that well you know a guy like Jefferson I think he was listed in maybe in the fifties or something in our in our year long rankings, and and I was saying well you know. He's not a guy you have to draft early, but, you know, maybe if you uh, take a late round flyer on him and he gives you top 50 uh, value, then, you know, that could be good for you. You know, said that, kept it moving, didn't really think nothing about it. <laughs> well, 
we had a troll, you know, a, a guy on Twitter who for about the first five or six games of the season, every time Rondé Jefferson had a bad game, he would, you know, tweet me, list all <laughs> Erickson, all of us, and say, yeah, you guys said pick up uh, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson in the fourth round, and I did, and now my team sucks. You guys are Bush League, and, you know. <laughs> and we were like, well, wait, whoa, whoa. First of all, that's not what we said. Second of all, like, you know, the situation with the Nets, you just never know. But, um, you know, you have to use your own common sense as well. And over the long term, he's the only young guy on a terrible team. He's probably going to settle in and get some minutes. And then this guy just kept trolling us, kept trolling us. And then, like, list just <laughs> shut him down, you know. He just replied, like, dude, your troll game sucks. Like, if you're going to troll, come harder. Like, this is really weak. <laughs> And then we haven't heard from him since, you as, know, as list does. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it did, you know, it did help that after that, he at least showed some signs of life. And then he faded out again for a really long time. I think he fell out of the rotation completely. But um, about two weeks ago, it was because uh, I was actually watching the Nets play Philadelphia because I was watching Joel Embiid <laughs> and, or, you know, I was watching for Joel Embiid. Um, but because I was watching and it was a Nets broadcast, then um, the, the, the Nets broadcasters were saying, you know, the coaches have really been happy with how Hollis Jefferson has been playing for about these last two or three games. They feel like he's starting to get it and he's starting to, to kind of move into what they want him to be. And so on the strength of that, I ended up recommending him, um, in, in one of my DFS articles the next time they played. And, you know, he came out that next game and scored 19 points with six boards and three assists. And so I've been kind of either recommending or using him in DFS circles um, pretty consistently since. And, you know, he's still not, like, destroying the world, but over his last six games, 23 minutes a game, 12.2 points, 4.2 boards, 1.3 steals, 1.3 assists, 0.7 blocks, you know, even 0.3 three-pointers. Like, nothing world-beating, but he's what I call a garbage man. He just kind of contributes a little bit to every category. And so if he's kind of establishing that as his current level and the Nets still suck and he's still the only young kind of talent on the team, um, I have to feel like moving forward he's going to continue to get at least this level of minutes and that it could very easily go up have to remember that he's only 21 years old. And before we get any more trolls, Andre, I guess we probably both should clarify when we say only young talent. I mean, Joe Harris, Sean Kilpatrick are not young. They're like 25 right. and 26. Uh, you know, Isaiah Whitehead, maybe. Uh, Karis LeVert, maybe. But when we talk about um, big-time draft or came from a big-time program, big-time high school guy, you know, you look. You can look at other teams and you can spot quite a few on each roster, but for this Nets team, it's it's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and that's that's the one crown jewel. When they say when there's one glimmer of hope looking forward, it's it's him, and it's not it's not the other guys I just mentioned. Um, you know, Jer- having Jeremy Lin in the lineup would probably help him. Um, just you know, if you had a, a solid point guard, your offense is usually going to run a little bit more smoothly. So maybe some people think that having Jeremy Lin back in the rotation might hurt. Uh, Hollis Jefferson, but it might actually help him because he might get better looks, more open looks, and whatnot. So that's something to pay attention to, of course. But yeah, he's he's playing better. He's a, he's 21 years old. It's just like take any other rookie. Just because he has a ton of opportunity doesn't mean he has to capitalize before he's portrayed as a bust. All right, last player I want to touch on here is Chandler Parsons out, um, you know, out in Memphis. 
Ideally, he would have come onto this team, a team that has traditionally somewhat struggled to score. Mike Conley's great. Marcus Gasol is great. But we thought adding a solid power forward, or excuse me, small forward, he, he plays a little power forward too, um, you know, would do wonders for this Memphis team. He just hasn't been healthy. However, mm-hmm. you know, I asked Nick Whalen, and I, you know, I ask him a few questions. We have some pods, true or false. And I say, true or false, Chandler Parsons is going to make a difference for this Memphis team um, by the end of the season. And how would you answer that? Would you say true or false on that statement, Andre? <sighs> See, I'm not a black and white guy. I live in uh, <laughs> shades of gray. But if I had to pick one, I would say I'm closer to false than the true. Um, I'm not – how do I say it? Like when he's completely healthy – um, I think the answer to that would be true. Um, he hasn't been completely healthy in a really long time. Um, last year he was okay when he was able to play, but he only was able to play in 61 games last year. And he wasn't at the level that, that he had shown a, a couple years earlier. Um, to me, I, he's the kind of player I've stayed away from. I don't have him on any of my teams. Um, and, yeah, if I've got a stash spot and he's on the waiver wire, then yeah, you know, maybe he's better than nothing because he does have upside. We know he can play, but his his health is just I haven't seen any improvement. You know, like he he was sitting for for several games to start the year. He came back in, played kind of meh for a couple of weeks, and then he had to miss another month. And now he's back and not even playing to the level he played earlier in the year. I'm not confident. You know, it may happen, but I'm not confident. All right. That's a fair assessment because uh, we haven't seen anything from him this year. And I think we might romanticize Chandler Parsons, or at least I might, and not because he's a good-looking guy, but because when you look at his stat, or, you know, when I think of Chandler Parsons, I think of a guy that's a difference maker, like the second-best player on a team. But when you look at his stats, he never averaged more than 16.5 points per game, never averaged more than 5.5 rebounds per game, never averaged more than 4 assists per game. And so I think perhaps Chandler Parsons has maybe always been overrated to a certain degree and that even when he does come back and he's only 75% of himself, you know, that's just like an average player, slightly slightly above average player. So perhaps I've just been expecting too much out of him. And when he's playing 16 or 15 to 20 minutes per game now, which is what he's doing, I, I should just curb my expectations. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, this is just kind of my take. I, I tend to be pessimistic on on players that, as you were just pointing out, where it's like, okay, his best case scenario, he would be solid, but not a superstar, you yeah. know, like, yeah. and, and so if we're in a situation where it, he hasn't hit that best case scenario now in a couple years, cause last year wasn't the best case scenario, but it, it feels like last year where he was playing on about 30 minutes a game, was it 13.7 points, 4.7 boards, 1.7 three pointers. Like, I feel like that's maybe his end of season best case scenario, which would be okay. You know, I would take it if I could, if I have it on my team, but that's not something that I'm like, you know, crossing off names on my Christmas list. Like I got to have that, (laughs) you know, like that's kind of a, all right, you know, I'll take it. If, I mean, if it's there, I'll take it, but I'm not, he's not somebody that I'm worrying about until he starts showing that he's at least moving in that direction. Yeah, no, that's all fair. That's all a fair assessment, but obviously you see his name on the waiver wire, 
uh, you kind of you perk up a little bit. And you're like, I can't believe he's on the waiver wire. You look at his stats, and you're like, Oh gosh, I don't want him at all. He's just, you know, if if you did a blind test, you would you'd never say necessarily that was Chandler Parsons. You would think it's some, you know, third guy off the bench or something. You know what? And that's basically what he's been relegated to with his numerous health issues. That's it. That's all the names we have for you today on this Monday. <laughs> like I said at the top, Happy New Year to everyone. Um, I do want to ask you before we get out of here, Andre. Um, it's been a, a few weeks since we've talked, and, and the NBA changes from now until the last game of the regular season. What are you most looking forward to happening? Some people say trades. Some people mm-hmm. say, uh, are the Warriors actually going to be as good as we think they are? But for you, what are you most looking forward to happening um, from now until Game Eighty Two? Wow. So, wow, that's such a a loaded question for me. (laughs) Um, You know, so you mentioned like the Warriors or the Cavs or things like that. For me, I'm not getting excited about those level of teams until the playoffs. Like that's when their real season starts. So what's most exciting to me during the regular season is kind of we're we're finishing with a generation, you know, the Duncan, Kobe, Garnett generation, Dirk, you know, they either retired or they're on their way out. And then the next level of superstars are on the rise. So I'm enjoying things like, you know, between James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook, who's the most likely to score 100 points with 20 assists in a game. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, looking at the the going back even further, the, the younger generations, the the the, the Joel Embiid, the, the Carl Anthony Towns, you know, watching them develop into that superstar uh, uh, generation. So that's, that's I think, what I'm most watching for is kind of individuals that are either making the leap from star, star to superstar or from young rookie to legitimate star. Um, I think that that's what catches my eye. Trades, they're, they're interesting. I like to see them, but I don't think they're – I don't expect to see any trades that can push a team up into that – Golden State, Cleveland tier, so that that makes the the, the the trade market a little secondary for me. So so I think I'm looking at the individuals. Yeah, man, I I hate to agree with you, but I think you're right in the because for me it's trades. I, I I've come on every podcast and just been trades, trade, 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 trade. I want to talk trades because I feel like something big could happen when you have somewhat loaded teams like Denver, like the Trailblazers, uh, you know, like Boston that has so much assets, but. You know, even if Paul Millsap goes someplace desirable, like Toronto, I don't even know if that's possible. I don't know that a move like that would even help them challenge the Cavaliers, much less the Warriors. So we'll keep our eye on it. It's traits for me. Watching a new generation coming into their own is the answer for Andre. That's going to do it for the both of us. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Monday. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.